You know, the point that Jesus makes in our scripture reading today, which I want to talk about this morning, is that there's no limit to the amount of forgiveness we're to offer others. In Matthew's uh, gospel, uh, Jesus says not seven times, but 77 times. But I believe in Mark's gospel, he takes it a few points further. He says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And as we saw in the children's sermon, I think that obviously means not 490 times. It means there's no limit to the amount of forgiveness we're to offer others. I know this is a sensitive topic for a lot of us, and it's a sermon that is very personal to me. So let's join together in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, one of the hardest tasks that any of us has is to forgive someone who's hurt us. It's hard to forgive someone who's wronged us. We think of ways that we could get even. Sometimes we just want to write that person off and ignore them as if they no longer exist. It's difficult to forgive. It's difficult to forgive. And yet the one thing that we all have in common is we've all been hurt by someone. It may have been intentional or accidental, but we've all been there. Now, in our scripture reading today, Peter had a question for Jesus. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? It seemed like a logical, well-thought-out question. Perhaps someone had done something to hurt Peter. Or maybe Peter's question was in response to one of Jesus' teachings. For whatever reason, Peter wanted to know how often he should forgive. But before Jesus has a chance to answer, Peter suggests, as many as seven times? As many as seven times? Seven seemed like a good number. Indeed, seven was regarded as the perfect number. Seven was a biblical number. The world was created in seven days. Peter thought that he had an exceptional answer. You see, rabbis had instructed people to forgive someone only three times. And if there was a fourth infraction, well, God would have to forgive that person. Peter, however, was more generous. Peter doubled the amount and added one more for good measure. As many as seven times? As many as seven times? Now, Peter thought that he had the right answer. But Jesus answered Peter, not seven times, but I tell you 70 times seven. Not seven times, but I tell you 70 times seven. You see, the old standard for forgiveness was inadequate. But Jesus offered a new teaching. Today, I want to make three points about forgiveness and why we need to forgive. Again, I want to make three points about forgiveness and why we need to forgive. As usual, if you'd like to follow along, there's a sermon outline printed in your bulletin for your convenience. Or you can follow along with a PowerPoint presentation. So let's begin then with the first point. First of all, forgiveness is an attitude. First of all, forgiveness is an attitude. 
Martin Luther King Jr. once wrote, Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Now, in response to Peter's question, Jesus taught that there's no limit to forgiveness. You see, we don't reach a certain number, say 3 or 7 or 77 or even 490, and say, I can't forgive you anymore. I'm sorry, I've reached my limit. You see, forgiveness doesn't work that way. For the follower of Jesus, forgiveness is a way of life. It's a way of life. Now, Jesus told a parable about this that Josh read to us earlier, but allow me to retell the story for you. Once upon a time, there was a great king who had several servants who owed him large sums of money. And one particular servant owed the king a million dollars. So the king commanded the servant to be brought before him. And as the servant stood before the king, the king demanded that the servant pay back that debt immediately. But the servant fell on his hands and knees. And he begged and implored the king saying, Oh great king, please have mercy on me. Be patient with me and I'll repay all the debt. Oh great king, please have mercy on me. Be patient with me. And I will repay all the debt. Well, the king realized that there was virtually no way that that servant would ever be able to repay that million dollar debt. And being filled with compassion for him, he forgave him the debt and released him. Now, we don't run across such great generosity very often, do we? But when we do, it makes our day. It makes our day. A grandmother celebrating her golden wedding anniversary, told the secret for her long and happy marriage. She said, on my wedding day, I decided that I would make a list of ten of my husband's faults, which for the sake of the marriage I would overlook. Now, one of the guests asked her, well, what were some of the faults that you wrote down that you chose to overlook? The grandmother replied to tell you the truth. I never did get around to making that list. But whenever my husband did something that made me hopping mad, I would say, lucky for him, that's one of the ten. (laughs) Lucky for him, that's one of the ten. Now, you know, that's the kind of attitude that Jesus would have loved. So, how many times are we to forgive someone who's hurt us? Seven seems like a good answer. Not so, says Jesus. Not seven times, but I tell you, 70 times seven. You see, the Christian life isn't comprised of arithmetic or just good intentions. It's filled with practical, everyday acts of compassion. And as difficult as it may sound, there's no limit to the amount of forgiveness that we're to offer others. We're to keep on forgiving. Forgiveness is an attitude. Forgiveness is an attitude. And that brings us to the second point. Second, when we forgive others, healing takes place within us. When we forgive others, healing takes place within us. Now, let's return to our parable again. No sooner had that king 
forgiven that servant that million-dollar debt and released him. Then the servant happened to come across a fellow servant who owed him $100. The servant grabbed the fellow servant by the throat and began choking him, saying, Repay me what you owe me. Repay me what you owe me. But the fellow servant fell on his hands and knees and begged and implored him, saying, Please, sir, have mercy on me. Be patient with me, and I will repay all the debt. Please, sir, have mercy on me. Be patient with me, and I'll repay all the debt. But the servant refused to listen to his fellow servant and had him put into jail until he should repay all the debt. Now, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were very upset. And they went and informed the king. When the king heard of it, he was furious. And he commanded that servant to be brought before him again. Only this time the king said, you wicked servant. Did I not agree to forgive you that million dollar debt? A huge debt that you couldn't possibly repay simply because you asked me to. And could you find no compassion in your heart with which to forgive your fellow servant who owed you a measly hundred dollars? Then the king said to the guards, take him away, throw him into prison, and keep him locked up there until he should repay every last penny. Now, Jesus then adds these sobering words. So shall it be to each of you, unless you forgive your sisters and brothers from your hearts. So shall it be to each of you, unless you forgive your sisters and brothers from your hearts. Now, let's be clear about something. First of all, we need to keep in mind that there are unfortunate consequences that occur when we refuse to forgive others. But I want to be clear about this. I'm not suggesting that God will punish us. You see, God doesn't have to. We punish ourselves. It's true. We punish ourselves. Let me give you an example. When Hubert French, Hubert French was 10 years old. His father was shot and killed by an unknown assailant. Hubert took on an attitude of vengeance against his father's murderer. Now, in later years, in midlife, Hubert was diagnosed with a neurological disorder. He was hospitalized and placed on heavy medication. He was told it was his only hope. Doctors informed him that he would be on the medication for the rest of his life. But Hubert continued to deteriorate. And then when he got to his very lowest point, he began to examine the feelings he had at the time of his father's death. He began attending church and reading the scriptures. The process was slow and often painful. But Hubert began forgiving the man who killed his father. And guess what? After a while, the doctors were able to take him off his medication completely. Soon after that, his neurological disorders, disturbances disappeared. It's been 20 years now. The problem has never returned. You see, when we harbor negative feelings... When we refuse to forgive others, we're the ones who suffer. It's true. We're the ones who suffer. It takes a toll on us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But healing takes place when we forgive. 
Healing takes place when we forgive. You know, one of my favorite quotes comes from the Presbyterian minister and novelist Frederick Beekner. Frederick Beekner. I love this quote, and I want to share this with you. You might want to write this down. Carry it around with you. It goes something like this. Forgiveness is the key that sets the prisoner free. For when you forgive, you discover that the prisoner was you. Forgiveness is the key that sets a prisoner free. For when you forgive, you discover that the prisoner was you. You see, when we forgive others, healing takes place within us. And that brings us to the third and final point I want to make this morning about forgiveness. Third and finally, only God can empower us to forgive others. Only God can empower us to forgive others. Now, this power comes when we know we're forgiven. That's what empowers us to forgive. We've been forgiven. Now, if you don't know yourself to have been forgiven, then you have nothing to pass on to another. It's when we know we've been forgiven that we're able to see ourselves in the same light as the one who's wronged us. Think about that. You see, all of us, all of us, Stand in need of God's forgiveness. There are no exceptions. I want to close with a true story. You know, many years ago, way back in the 1970s, I was a student at Perkins School of Theology at SMU. Hard to believe it's been that long. What is that, 40 years? It's a long time. But while I was there, I knew a young seminary student who was in his second year of seminary. And very early one morning, while it was still dark, he got one of those phone calls that we all dread receiving. And this was before cell phones. So when he picked up the receiver, the voice he heard on the other end was the voice of his father informing him that his only brother, who was 18 years old, had been shot and killed by a man with a three fifty seven Magnum with hollow point bullets. Now, apparently this man had pulled that gun and pointed at kids in the neighborhood several times before, only this time with fatal results. He was known for having a terrible temper. But what's even more surprising is that this man was a medical doctor and in charge of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Texas Medical School in San Antonio. Now, After he was arrested, he wasn't charged with murder. He wasn't charged with manslaughter. He was charged with accidental manslaughter. That's just as if you're driving your car and you accidentally run over someone and hit them. Now, before the trial, the doctor paid a quarter of a million dollars for his attorney to represent him. Now, that was a lot of money back in the 70s. During the trial... The attorney argued that they simply could not send his client to jail. That he'd made so many important contributions to the world. That he'd trained many doctors to be gynecologists and obstetricians. That he'd authored and co-authored several medical textbooks and journals. And finally, the lawyer concluded that to send his client to prison would be an even worse miscarriage of justice. Apparently, the jury agreed. After deliberating for 45 minutes, 
the man was released. Now, when the young seminary student heard that the man who had killed his brother had been released, at first he went into shock. But gradually, over the next few months, that shock was replaced by hatred and vengeance. That young seminary student wanted to kill the man who had murdered his brother. There were many nights when he would lie awake for hours, thinking of ways that he might do it. Perhaps he'd purchase a handgun and follow the man to work some morning and shoot him when he got out of his car. There were many other ways he thought of killing this man. Now, the young seminary student knew that these thoughts were wrong, but he felt powerless to overcome them. He felt powerless to overcome them. Finally, one day in desperation, he cried out to God and begged God to help him to forgive the man that he couldn't do it in his own power. And you know what? God heard that prayer. God heard that prayer and some words of Jesus came to him. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who use you and despitefully abuse you. And so that young seminary student began to pray for the man. Oh, it wasn't easy at first. At first, he could barely even get the words out. But he began to pray that that man might find forgiveness and might come to know Jesus Christ. And it wasn't easy. But he soon discovered that the more he prayed for the man, the easier it became. Until one day, one day he was able to see himself in the same light as the man who had killed his brother. And you know what? After about a year or so, he was able to forgive that man completely from his heart. He was able to forgive him completely from his heart. Now, that's a true story. Well, how do you know it's true, preacher? You want to know how I know? Because that young seminary student was me. That young seminary student was me. Only God can empower us to forgive others. But folks, if we ask God... God will give us the strength to forgive. God in Jesus Christ will forgive that person through us if we open our hearts up to him. I know that there are some of us here this morning that may be carrying around a grudge, maybe some kind of resentment. But you know, we have a choice to make this morning. We can either choose to forgive or we can choose to continue to carry around our resentment and bitterness. The choice is ours. What will we choose to do? What will we choose to do? Well, in conclusion, how many times are we to forgive others? There's no limit. Forgiveness is an attitude. It's recognizing that we've been forgiven. Therefore, we're able to forgive. Whoever has the ears to hear, let that one hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen. As the band is coming forward, I want to extend to you an invitation. Perhaps you're carrying some kind of resentment or bitterness in your heart. Maybe it's a grudge. Maybe it's against a co-worker. Maybe it's against a family member, brother or sister. Maybe a child, a parent. Maybe it's someone right here in this church. It doesn't matter who it is. 
The point is, when we refuse to forgive, we're not hurting that person. We're hurting ourselves, And we're cutting ourselves off from God's forgiving love. And that was Jesus' point this morning. We have to open ourselves up to be channels of forgiveness. And that being, being that channel means that we forgive others. We open that channel so that God's forgiving love can come to us and through us to others. So, what burden are you bearing this morning? What's that resentment, that anger, that bitterness that you've been carrying around? Maybe you've been carrying it around for years. Maybe you've just been carrying it around a short time. But Jesus invites us to come forward to the altar and let go of that grievance, to let go of that anger, to let go of that bitterness, that resentment, whatever it may be, whatever's keeping us from the fullness of God's grace, whatever's preventing us from growing in Christ, let go of it. Let go of it and allow Christ to forgive that person. It's not easy to forgive. I know that firsthand. But you know, we start praying for that person, gradually our hearts will melt and we'll be able to forgive. God will give us the strength to forgive. This may just be the first step this morning. Maybe you can't completely forgive that person today, but you can start on that journey of forgiveness and start moving forward where you can eventually come to the point where you forgive that person completely from your heart. So I invite you to come forward to the altar. Come forward and leave that burden, that grudge, that bitterness here at the altar and receive God's forgiving grace. Would you please come forward?